0: hi everyone another super inspiring chat to share with you today this one is perfect for all you female bosses out there female entrepreneurs or if you're just toying with the idea of starting a business i feel like loads of women will get something out of this podcast interview anyway because we talk a lot about flexible working nine to five lifestyle and just general inspiration and positivity. So today's guests are Chelsea and Rachel, founders of Well Defined. Well Defined are all about marketing and events within the wellness space. So they work with some amazing brands within the industry, some incredible people, and they're all about empowering women and women supporting other women. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Let us know what you think on social media. And here we go. Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. Inspiring conversations with badass women, empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. Hi everyone, welcome back to Put Yourself First. Today I'm with Rachel and Chelsea, say hello ladies. Hi! Hi! Hi. So would you ladies like to introduce yourselves and a bit more about the work that you do?
1: Yep, um, definitely. So I'm Rachel, um, and um, obviously Chelsea's online as well. Um, And we both together um, launched Well Defined about four months ago now. Um, And basically the idea was we've we've both um, worked in the health and fitness industry for a long time and in the event space and running some quite large scale events together. Um, And we just basically decided that we wanted to break out of the corporate world, kind of break the traditions of the way that people work um, within the corporate space and, you know, the way that the health and fitness industry runs also, um, and really try and do something that would challenge the barriers um, and create something a little bit different. And so we launched Well Defined together and have been running it together on a daily basis um, for four months now.
0: Amazing. To
2: add, (laughs) yeah so so i'm chelsea and i help brands make money basically i look i kind of help them and support them through their commercial strategies um rachel very much looks after the kind of marketing and branding side and then i look at the business from a commercial and financial perspective um and really kind of give startups and founders the confidence in their product or service. and help them make money basically
0: So can we dive into a little bit about your individual career journeys then because obviously you guys have met but I think starting a business together is such a huge step so I'd love to hear about how you guys really nurtured that relationship and how you feel your, which you've already gone into a little bit how you feel your um, skills sort of match up and complement each other
1: yeah, so um, I my background, um, I, after university, went to work for a health and fitness marketing agency, um, which I did for about three or four years, um, basically account, worked my way up um, from, I started out on an unpaid internship with them uh, for several months, I think it was about four months in the end, completely unpaid, um, and worked my way up to um, the kind of lead account manager within the agency looking after all different health and fitness brands, primarily gyms and um, boutique studios and um, personal training companies, all different fitness brands um, and loved it, but really wanted to get more into the live events um, arena. And I knew that I'd always wanted to run events. It was something that I was always very passionate about. Um, so I basically found BeFit um, as a already existing and Chelsea was already working on it um, and joined the team uh, back in kind of what what would it have been now <laughs> five years ago I guess um, and uh, yeah so as I say BFIT was already um, running under Chelsea and joined it together and from that point onwards we kind of grew it together into the the big health and fitness event that it's been um, for the past few years um, and I think as Chelsea said I mean she's very much the commercial side, um, you know, would deal with all our sort of sponsors and um, the the sales and elements around that. And then I would work on the brand. So talent um, very much has always been my side of things. So um, bringing in different people from within the health and fitness space and um, classes, studios, all the kind of fitness element we'd bring on board and then creating the brand itself. Um, so we've always kind of bounced off each other really well because I mean, we always joke that Chelsea's like the numbers and I'm the words, <laughs> but they all kind of come together um, and it works in that sense. So yeah, we, we decided to take the leap together um, back in May, uh, straight after BeFit this year.
0: Oh wow, <laughs> I didn't realize you guys were so young as a company (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it hasn't it has not been long (laughs) you're doing so well though thanks
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we kind we kind of really did hit the ground running um we've always kind of been approached to do consultancy work but obviously um working for a corporate is just not allowed so we we knew that there was a gap we knew that brands within this industry needed support both from commercial and marketing perspectives, and also just somebody that links people together. Like there's lots of women supporting women in this industry, as you know, Kat, but the, we didn't see that there was anyone that was really kind of like pushing it to, from a business perspective, you know? So that's kind of what we really wanted to do is that there's so much opportunity with brands in this industry um, and so, so many fun, exciting events that can be done but ultimately they all need they all need funding but there are brands that have budget to to do these things so it's just it was just creating a bit more of a link within the industry as well
0: yeah that's really great so it's you obviously come from that passion of you know wanting to support people wanting to champion health and fitness but you also have the practical element of actually let's get shit done and make things happen <laughs>
2: yeah Yeah, I mean essentially yeah because I think especially having having been um kind of walled in by by corporate life for so long it it was it was almost like we were part of two worlds so we were part of this this crazy corporate gray suit world but then we were but but within our industry it's so different um so then when when we kind of were, were let loose if you like in May it kind of yeah it, it it just skyrocketed
0: <laughs> amazing so I'd love to know how you found that transition um was it a huge challenge for you guys and also I'd love to get practical on the hows and why's that you decided to make that transition from corporate you know nine to five or more than nine to five to working for yourselves
1: we had quite an interesting build-up um to that transition um be fit uh, was obviously the event that we ran together um, for many years, was always owned by the Telegraph. Um, so that's where when Chelsea says this corporate grey suit world, like that's kind of the world that we were in day to day. But then at the same time, we always ran it as our own business anyway. Like we did not really. That's how, you know, it was just the two of us um, for a very long time. And as Chelsea said, because there was these two different worlds and in the fitness industry you know, it was very much just us kind of running it day to day. It was our baby and everyone knew that. Um, so we sort of felt like we were running it as our, as our own business a lot of the time anyway. Um, and then BeFit was actually put up for sale um, sort of this time last year, actually. And Chelsea and I put ourselves forward to buy BeFit and um, to become the owners of the of the event and, and run it as a business full time. Um, So we went through actually an entire process of getting investment and um, um, putting together cases and everything to to own BFIT as our own business. So we've kind of prepared ourselves fully for being business owners during that time. I think I would say, certainly for myself, before that happened, I hadn't really considered breaking out um, to do something on my own. But through that process, it just sort of happened very naturally. And we... Both ended up growing into business owners before we actually had the chance to to leave. If you see what I mean. Um, so it, when we eventually did um, make the decision, which happened in January, you know, we very much had decided that we were going to um, move on and do something on our own outside of the corporate world. I think by that time, we'd sort of had a lot of learnings, and there was almost no going back because we'd really both decided that. Having got this independence, there was no way that we could possibly um, lose it. So I think it was definitely a challenging move and obviously scary um, in the sense of you know you don't it, it is going into the unknown as it is with all of these things and you don't you don't know exactly what's going to happen and there's obviously a lot of risk attached to it but I think for us we would we'd both very naturally come to a place where it was the only decision like we we'd both decided that the corporate world just wasn't for us at this point
2: yeah I kind of feel the same I feel like the year well it, it was kind of like a, a, a eight-month process of be fit going through the sales um situation I kind of feel like that in itself was was our preparation, you know, from having to seek such a large amount of investment through to having to, you know, do so many different case studies and financial forecasts and for both our investors, but also for the other people that were bidding for it, it was it was kind of like very much we were in between because we were the only people that really knew BFIT so um it was a it was a very challenging time um but it i I always say that it took us from women in business to business women within that eight months,
1: yeah, definitely, and I think the amount of passion that went into that, like we kind of really gave ourselves fully to it, like a hundred percent behind it um all the way and I think once you've really done that, you can't go back to just working for someone and you know giving your passion to them every day, like you really once you've made that step um to really do it for yourself i just don't think there's any turning back
0: (laughs) yeah i completely agree i feel like independence and just time freedom just having control over your day is the best thing
1: about working for yourself absolutely a hundred percent
2: yeah and and i think as well you know the corporate world there are just so many blockers you know even just for us to get anything outside of the norm signed off which in bfit's case was was every day um it it was kind of like a five-step process where it had to be signed off by so many different people and it obviously it just the time wasted on doing that you kind of just want to be able to move on things especially in this industry it's so fast-paced um uh, so just to have the freedom to just be able to act on things immediately and and you know get them up on sale and it's it's just so refreshing
0: yeah that's, I'm sure a lot of people can relate if they work in that corporate environment. I'd love, I'd love to hear more about well-defined and the sort of principles that you guys really stand for with your clients and with the work that you do, because you've talked about breaking the mold, you've talked about doing things outside of the norm, and I'd love to see like what that actually looks like in your day-to-day work and the events that you put on.
1: So in terms of the core principles, I think um, you can probably tell just from looking at the Instagram that it was very much built around female empowerment. Um, (laughs) It's something that Chelsea and I have both always been really passionate about. Um, And obviously, you know, BeFit was an event purely for women. It's something that we've kind of always, has always come very naturally to us. Um, And we really felt like it was the time for that in business. I think everything that we'd experienced in this corporate world, um, particularly in terms of sort of the what we felt to be gender discrimination side um, and everything like that, I think we came out of that world really wanting to um, rep women in business. Um, so although we weren't sure exactly at first how that would map out within the actual business model, we were just very sure that we wanted to um, push female empowerment and support female founders um and you know really create a bit of a girl power movement in, in both in wellness and in business um so I think that was quite a core principle behind the whole idea as as it came about and um, definitely breaking the mold within that um I mean just from uh, promises that we kind of made to each other from day one we always said you know everything that we hated about the corporate world we would never do in business um so you know I mean Chelsea's had some great ideas in the past about staffing and how um, to really look after staff, you know, giving them um, very flexible kind of work environments, holiday time, all of that kind of stuff that you don't see in the corporate world. Um, so I think that was always kind of an intent um, between both of us. And from the same with our with our clients and with the brands that we work for and the events that we work on, it's all about sort of championing a new sense of business and um, and a collaborative approach and and certainly championing empowerment in the sense of making everyone that we work with feel really empowered to push forward with their passion projects um, and give them the support they need to get it done basically i think
2: i think simply saying no as well um actually does break the mold in the sense of if we don't agree with a message that a client is putting out there we simply just won't work with them um and that that is our you know right obviously uh, as company owners um you know we will say no we don't agree with your messaging or we don't agree with the the vision that you have in terms of you know whether it's a brand that just wants to work with a certain size uh, um, of model uh we it's just not us um and i think just saying no is breaking the mold in in some respect because i think it's it's very easy especially as a small business to just say yes to everything even if morally you don't agree with it or you know it's not part of your own eth- business ethos it's very easy just to be attracted by ensuring that you know you're you're getting in the most amount of money each month but actually just saying no um in itself i think is breaking the mold yeah i
0: can, i really agree i think that's really powerful especially as as women too we talk a lot on this podcast about women specifically saying no and setting putting boundaries in place and deciding what they're going to tolerate and what they're not going to tolerate absolutely
2: and I think it's so important that you know obviously from a commercial perspective you see companies start up and they feel like Straight away, they're having to discount, or they're having to, you know, do sales, or you know, regardless of of what it is they offer. But just say no. Just say, you know, stick to your guns. And I think ultimately that is you breaking the mold, because you know any company that goes live within its first twelve months, the the aim of the game is to is to stay alive. Essentially, the business has to stay alive for those first twelve months. Um, You know, there's a really scary statistic that I think it's around between 70 and 80 percent of small businesses fail within the first 12 months. So just simply staying alive whilst keeping your own, you know, brand messaging accurate. Um, Yeah, I I think that in itself is breaking the mold, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, just um, sticking to your principles, I think just what you said about women, like it is so true. That there is a tendency um, amongst women especially in business and it's just because of the environment that we've kind of been um, brought up in this business world in um, but there's a tendency to feel the need to apologise you know mm. to, to feel um, at times intimidation tactics used and everything else and I think really as Chelsea says just really standing up for that um, and standing up for women in business by doing so is something that we've always been really passionate about and I also,
2: I also think that in an industry that is so female led, you know, that should be celebrated. The, fit, the fitness and wellness industry itself, you know, it's founded by amazing entrepreneurial women. Um, and that in itself is something that should be celebrated and talked about more and supported, you know, there needs to be. Uh, there needs to be a real change in people's mindsets not i wouldn't necessarily say within our industry but certainly outside of that that it's okay to support other women in the same industry it's okay to support businesses that are doing the same as you there's space for everybody there's money for everybody you know and we're going to get much further forward if we all support each other that is that is it, it, that's the truth you know um and i think that the business world has very much created um a a thought process that this is mine and this is only mine and we're just going to continuously compete rather than working together to make the industry a better place Um, and it's something that I'm I'm really well both of us we're really passionate about you know introducing people to to you know people that are even doing exactly the same but being able to take a learning from that and and being totally comfortable in what you're offering as a as a person as a business as an individual whether it's a service a product um yeah that that that, that it's it's yeah breaking the mold, basically,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think people ask us all the time, like like who's your competition um and t- to the same degree, clients talk about their competition and you know how to um you know work against competition, and we've always said, you know it's it's collaboration, not competition is is certainly the way forward like if there's there's so much room in the wellness industry for absolutely everyone as far as I can see that wants to be in it, like people bring up it's a saturated market it's absolutely not a saturated market. Like, there's a lot going on. But there's so much room for growth because, really, wellness is something that absolutely everyone should should and um, is starting to incorporate into their daily lives. Um, and if you think about the population of the planet, how could it possibly be a saturated market when everyone wellness is something that everyone needs um and that everyone's really starting to open their eyes to. uh so yeah i think 100% that we we operate in a sense of everyone um collaborating and working together rather than working against each other. um and i think that is the future of the wellness industry and if it's going to continue to grow and be this powerful machine that it currently is um then it's going to need more collaboration and more support from each other and i think women are certainly the people to channel that because um we just it it comes as a natural thing i mean the babe supporting babes movement on instagram <laughs> certainly is is something that the wellness space needs and that needs to carry through business as well
2: and the industry is still so young that this is the thing that i think people forget especially if you do live in london you know we live in this london bubble the industry is still so young like you're talking six years it, it in the long scheme of things that is absolutely nothing uh and that's just london you know you go outside of london and you're talking maximum three years it's just it's still a baby itself so it it needs that nurturing and it needs it it needs the celebration of of this industry and 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 the entrepreneurs that are, are within it i mean i don't know of any other industry that has so much entrepreneurial spirit and the want for collaboration it's 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 really special
0: 100 percent. and i think i feel like that nurturing and that more modern mindset in business versus the very traditional mindset and which is also quite masculine and quite aggressive i'm obviously stereotyping here but that very you know competition focused dog eat dog world i feel like the modern mindset of co- collaboration and community of a competition like you say I think that almost comes more naturally to women in a way and therefore is like a massive superpower of female entrepreneurs I think absolutely yep. absolutely amazing so I'd love to go into some of the biggest hurdles that you've faced obviously you're not even in your first full year yet um what have you guys been really challenged by this year and how have you overcome it
2: I think for I think a big thing for us was obviously when you've worked with such big corporates I think the the thought behind you stepping out by yourself I I, I definitely feel like at the very very beginning it was almost like are people truly invested in, you know, are people truly invested in our knowledge and expertise as individuals, or was it always because we were backed by such big corporates? And it didn't take very long for us to realise that actually it was our knowledge and expertise, but I think that definitely was very much pushing both of us out of our comfort zones, and I don't actually think we we completely realised that until we'd taken the leap. Um, certainly from kind of like, you know, getting brands to invest in sponsorship for events and things like that you know there was a slight slightly nervous energy around was it because there was a telegraph email emailing them before or is it genuinely because they 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 are interested in in our knowledge and expertise um so that definitely was a hurdle to overcome and and it it, as it transpires it was us which is amazing that they have so much faith and in our work Uh, So I would say that was probably my biggest one so far and also just just being really strict on who we work with and what what our messaging is and whether, you know, anyone that we work with complements our ethos essentially and principles.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's difficult for any um, emerging startup brand um, to sort of challenge the fear factor is what I would say. So of course, stepping out of the corporate world, starting your own business is going to be nerve wracking. It's got some risk associated with it. And you're always going to sort of feel like you need to put your security and your finances and everything else first. but that should never be at the compromise of the principles and the sort of brand messaging that you've set out for the business you want to create because if it is then long term the longevity of your business isn't going to succeed um so it's really balancing that and you know we've had opportunities that we've turned down because they're either not right for our principles or they're not in the right kind of industry and area that we want to focus on Um, and that's hard to do in the very first sort of month of business because you're essentially turning down business not knowing whether there's other business coming your way Um, but I think that it's a really important learning curve um, and something that I would really encourage any other um, sort of entrepreneurs stepping out into this um, into their own business to follow because I think sticking to your principles and what you've set out for your brand from day one is the way that you're going to grow it into what you want it to become. Um, and ultimately opportunity is everywhere. You just have to have to go after it essentially.
2: Yeah. And I think let's be honest, it doesn't matter how ballsy or or how much you confront a, a situation out, regardless of who you are as a person, there's always going to be sleepless nights, anxiety, panic, around you know oh am I going to be able to take a wage next month you know there's all it's always going to be there when you start a business but it's just about you know taking comfort in that your your messaging is being honored essentially and and like Rach says I think certainly in the 12 month in the first 12 months of business it's probably the most important thing because you're obviously setting out the standard that you will then move forward and grow your bigger vision goals with um so I think it's just about accepting the fact that it's always going to be there but just kind of coming to terms with well if it is always going to be there then I'd rather it was there for the right reasons if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah I completely agree and I think it's such a powerful place to be as well in those beginning stages because it's the easiest place to set those boundaries and decide what you're going to say no to and decide what you stand for that sets the precedent for the rest of your business's life doesn't it and I think it's a real I think it can be a real challenge I speak to so many women and so many business owners or freelancers or whatever they might be doing and they're so stuck in the short term because they're so scared about money or whatever else it might be and I just try to get them out of that panic mindset and just think about the bigger picture like you say think long-term long-term strategy what does your brand stand for where do you want to be you know in five years and then work back from there rather than I think sometimes we can get too caught up in the day-to-day just staring at the bank account or that's when we take on those jobs that would leave us feeling a bit afterwards
2: yeah. yeah, and, and then, then that's it. There's always going to be that worry of putting food on the table, roof overhead. You know, it, it's always going to be there. So it doesn't matter which which way you choose to go in terms of, you know, am I going to be really strict with this or am I not? It's still going to be there. So just choose to to be true to you, you and your brand. You know, Rach and I have worked with so many clients, even in this short period of four months, who, you know, to start with, they were like, oh, we've done this for free, we've done that for free. And we're like, what? why are you doing it for free? Like, don't do it for free. You know, your time's worth so much more than that. It's not worth you doing all of this work for free when you could be spending that time on furthering your own business. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's always going to be tricky, but I think you just got to almost pick your own worries.
1: I think you really have to shift your mindset as well, because when you're an employee, particularly of a big company, the sort of fundamental day-to-day runs itself and your focus obviously is you as a person within that company where you're sort of managing you know what your monthly income is going to be and what your day-to-day jobs are going to be your role within that and then when you leave you almost have to put your business idea first ahead of you as a person so sort of not see yourself as a freelancer branching out on their own but even if your brand is your own name and you're literally you literally are a freelancer, I still think you should separate it and put the brand at the forefront of your mind at all times. So it's not about what is gonna happen for me this month financially. It's about what is my brand gonna create from this month and what how's that going to drive it forward um, so it's really about switching up that mindset and sort of starting to look at things very differently. Um, And I think really you just have to blindly trust that the financial stuff and the the kind of risk behind all of that will fix itself. But as long as you continue putting those principles first and putting what you what you set out to do. And I guess when you first leave, if you write down, you know, where do I want to be in a year's time? Where do you want to be in five years time? And keep that in mind at all times. Keep that as a priority. Yeah, 100 percent.
0: I'd love you guys because when we were chatting via email talking about the podcast you guys said that you'd love to share that mindset change from the desk you know desk round nine to five culture how did you guys obviously you guys have had experience doing that like you said sort of easing yourself into that um that time freedom that you know element of control of your work but for someone who has gone from nine to five at a desk to starting their business what are the things that you would encourage people to explore and how could they how could they embrace that flexibility I guess?
1: I think I mean I've it's something that I've always throughout my entire sort of career had such issues with in the corporate world is that I've I've seen time and time again within companies where your success is measured by the number of hours in a day you spend nailed to your desk <laughs> like seated like seated in a chair and um, at that desk and there's actually very little focus on the productivity of what you're doing and what you're achieving at that desk it's all about what time did you swipe into that building what time did you swipe out how long a lunch break did you take and I think it's the biggest problem with the business world as a whole and something that absolutely needs reversing and there's been Obviously, some steps towards that in the business world with more mobile offices and kind of more things, um, hot desking and everything else. But I still think there's such a long way to go because there's so many people out there who are who just it does it isn't necessarily the way to work. Like I think personally, I think many people taking the step to become an entrepreneur will probably have noticed that they don't necessarily work that well in a 9 to 5 office culture because that's part of the reason that will be driving the decision um and from which to do that but i think that ultimately i mean i personally am certainly someone who needs flexibility like i cannot stand a set routine of being in an office 9 to 5 every day just being in an office in general going to one space every single day is just not for me i find that Sometimes I do my best work at very late at night, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes very early in the morning. Um, I've always, you know, I love to be able to fit the gym in whenever I like. Like I, if, I, if I want to just go to the gym at lunchtime, go when I'm feeling like I have the energy to do so, um, that's how I like to work. And then Chelsea and I both, you know, will always kind of pull very long hours around our own schedules. Um, but that's how we like to work. So if that doesn't come naturally to you, then I think it's really just about you know prioritizing what those things are that you want to, ha- want to have happen in your day, what's important for your work life and what's important actually just for yourself. Like if it's that you need to go to the gym or do yoga each day or spend some time with your children or whatever it is, then you have to kind of prioritize that, map out when that's going to happen and then work your kind of scheduling around that. Um, and if you're a person that needs routine, there's definitely still ways to find it. I mean, whether you have your own office or not, you know, joining one of these um, co-working spaces, the office group, we work, you, ha- you can create a place where you go every day. But it's much more collaborative whereby you can meet other entrepreneurs, meet people that might be able to support you through your business and kind of grow these relationships rather than having the focus be all about how many hours a day you're sitting at a desk because I just don't think it's the best way to get the best out of people. I think ultimately all all success should be based on results and exactly what someone brings to the table. And personally, I I really would not care if a staff member was never in the office, never at their desk, as long as I was seeing the results come through each month. Um, and whatever they need to do to get those, I'd say go do it. Yeah,
2: and, 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 and so, I, I mean, I'm a mum, my daughter's... Um she's going to be seven next month and I think for me having the pressure of having to be somewhere nine to five I mean it was just getting to the point where even just leaving the office you know I'd get looks leaving the office at five past five because there's definitely an expectation like Rach says of your product your your success as a person is d is deemed on the amount of hours that you spend in an office and that's and it's openly expected now and it's just that it's just wrong you know it really is your productivity yeah your success should be deemed by the results that you bring in and having always been in sales as well I don't think there's anything more true um than that really I've seen you know sales people you know they get told they have to make 40 calls a day I mean what what on earth how many what how how does their success how does their success get measured based on the amount of calls they have surely it's about the amount of money that they bring in and how they do that should just be up to them essentially and you know the question should come if their targets aren't being hit and if they are then great just let them crack on and and work where they want and do what they want and sell how they want so um yeah I definitely think that the nine to five is is old school now I think it, it there needs to be a massive change
0: yeah completely and um, i feel like i have this conversation with so many amazing people on the podcast and i think companies some companies especially more like modern tech companies perhaps are coming round to this idea and are more supportive but there is so much um there's so much stigma to break down around flexible working you know it doesn't It doesn't mean that someone's not going to get the results, like you say. And for women with kids or people struggling with health conditions or whatever else they might need that flexibility for, I think it's only going to be a good thing if it's encouraged. And I think when you're running a business, there's so much self-awareness in that, isn't there? And I've definitely learnt so much about myself and how I need to work and how I like to work.
1: But
2: I I also think being self-employed, we're definitely programmed to think that oh you know it's going to be really hard you're going to have to work 80 hour weeks and don't don't get me wrong it is bloody hard like it it is and you do have like I said before you are going to have those sleepless nights you are going to have sometimes oh god you know it's getting to the end of the month and I don't quite have enough to pay the wage that I wanted or need but it doesn't always have to be like that you don't have to work 80 hours a week you know that as long as you are doing um, your best, I mean, ultimately that's all anyone can ever ask of you, and and that's all you can ask of yourself. You do your best, um, but you have to put yourself, your family, and your priorities first always. Um, that that's the way it is, and I I, I don't think that, I don't think that matters whether you're self-employed or employed by a company. Ultimately, you know, you have to work to live rather than live to work
1: yeah I think actually um Kat your question earlier about like the biggest challenges in the first four months I think actually that that has definitely been one of them um just remembering to put self-care ahead of anything else or or even have it have it be on the list to be honest because when you're obviously launching a business it's so easy to just make that absolutely everything um and just to literally put your entire every every bit of energy that you have into that and it's very easy within that to have relationships and family and social life and everything else kind of fall by the wayside um so it's definitely been a learning curve of kind of working out how to put yourself first because you have to do it differently to how you do in a workplace like in a workplace environment it kind of comes naturally because if you're working a nine to six job or whatever it is, and then you go home and you're not getting paid for extra hours, you probably are more likely to take that time for yourself and be like, okay, I'm going to focus on my relationship. I'm going to focus on my family. But when your whole business is for you and it's your, it's your personal venture, it's easy to kind of bully yourself into feeling like you have to literally do every hour of the day and never focus on anything else and never, you know, never get that time for yourself. Um so it's definitely about relearning how to prioritise um your your own life and your own kind of self care around the the job essentially, which is what it is, as well as a business and and a, a, a kind of entrepreneurial adventure for yourself.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that there's a programmed guilt. So, you know, I I mean I've definitely had right at the beginning, and I know Rach has too, you know, Sundays where if you were employed you wouldn't be working but because you're self-employed there's almost like something programmed within you where you're like well I I shouldn't be switching off I should still be emailing people but actually you shouldn't you know you you need to prioritize that and make it um yeah a a real work-life balance
0: yeah and yeah Sundays are my days I love Sundays (laughs) Mm, I don't mind working on Saturdays if something fun's going on but like yeah I think it's that boundary again isn't
1: it I mean to be fair we can't we can't really preach like (laughs) I have to admit I haven't taken a weekend day off in a very long time um so I don't think we can sort of sit here and and preach that you know we know uh, how to create this self-care and everything else I think don't you know don't believe that every other entrepreneur out there has got the balance right and they're really, you know, doing exactly what they need for themselves and for their business. I think we all know that we need to do it, but we're all kind of guilty at times of not. Um, so I think it's just just remembering to keep that as a priority, really, and working out what works for you, and it will be different for everyone, um, but trying to find a way to take that time for yourself.
0: Absolutely. And I think even acknowledging when – because work-life balance – is going to be out of balance sometimes and accepting that it's out of balance and working with what you have is key as well isn't it because there are going to be times when things are just crazy but then there might be times when you need to take the foot off the gas and spend more time with family if someone's ill or you've had a baby or whatever else it might be there are going to be times when the balance teeters the other way and that's just life isn't it
1: Yeah, definitely. And you just have to find out what works for you personally, as long as you're happy. And I think you know, when you're kind of happy and comfortable in your day to day. And yes, you might be stressed, but you know, if if you're in a positive place with it, then you're okay. Um, (laughs) Because people will tell you like, God, you need to take a day off, like you need to do this, you need to do that. But actually, I think it's really about getting in touch with yourself and realizing what makes you happy and whether you're in a good place with it and if you are then do it your way like work out how it's going to work for you yeah amazing so before we move
0: on to the quick round questions i just wanted to get really practical i'm a business nerd and i love hearing about other business owners day-to-day practical steps like how do you guys strategize what do you do with your you have like team meetings what are your go-to sort of um practices and organization tools that you use
1: throughout the day so I've recently got really into lists (laughs) I've never been a list person um and Chelsea I know always has um but recently I've started very much um making I, I i'm really bad with sleep actually it's something that i've always really struggled with is is not sleeping and um, so i've started a system of making a list every night before i get to bed of, of, of everything that i'm going to do the next day i've got all these planners that break it down like by hour and exactly what you're doing map it all out so that i know that it's done and then really try and stick to that um as a team we sort of tend to do two two or three days a week where we're just like head down really getting stuff done um on laptops and you know doing the kind of day-to-day that you have to do and then we will tend to have two or three days that are just crazy running around London hopping from one studio to the next um meeting with people and kind of having client meetings having meetings about new events doing site visits like whatever we need to do um to kind of bring that together but that's sort of become a bit of a natural structure for us um, but yeah, I think that from, uh, from a sort of day to day point of view, for me, it's about task lists and knowing exactly what you're doing, mapping it out and kind of really, really sticking to that.
2: Yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I've always been a real list lover, um, and just planning, yeah, planning my day essentially and, and prioritizing. And I always tackled the hardest task of the day first to get it out of the way, um, so I would say, yeah, that that's kind of my my organisational um, advice is lists and tackling the fir- the biggest hurdle first.
0: Such a great tip that I definitely do not do. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally guilty of being like, I'll just do some emails and a bit of social media. Yeah, and then... <laughs> yeah. After right at the end of the day, just to stress yourself out. <laughs> it's yeah. Fun. And are you guys pen and paper?
1: Yes. Yeah, so now so again, I'm kind of like changing a lot in the way that I operate, but now a hundred percent, like I mean we are both have a thing for stationery, we have to admit. <laughs> we are both very big on like beautiful stationery with like girl power quotes all over it. Um, so I think we're both <laughs> regularly buying coloured pens and notepads. Um so we have to be pen and paper just to make the most of them, really.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was actually when Rachel and I first started working together. I'd never, ever used a spreadsheet, believe it or not. And then Rachel was the one that introduced me to spread. I've always been pen and paper. I, I just can't. There's nothing nicer then finishing a notepad or a diary that's full, you know, that you can look back on and be like, wow, I've, I've kind of completed all of these
1: tasks,
2: <laughs> which is really sad, but I, I take great pleasure in that.
1: See, we're opposites there, because I never fi- finish a notepad. Like, I will... <laughs> I'll do, like... Maybe I'll get halfway through it and then I'll be inspired to buy a new one. Buy new a new one, yeah. Like, there's no way you'll ever catch me finishing a notepad. There's just no- I,
2: don't, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's down to um, the amount of work. I think that's just your attraction of new stationery.
1: Right, yeah, it's 100%. And my, my <laughs> easy distraction, easy to distract yourself in new
2: stationery.
0: Yeah. I'm exactly the same. I tend to just bypass a uh, paper chase whenever
1: I'm near it. Yeah. Mm. Just don't She's- go in. W. H. Smiths actually have a really nice range at the moment for anyone that is looking for new stationery. <laughs> they have a they've they've introduced some paper chase esque, but I would say even better stationery mm. ranges. So I would check it out. I will be to
0: <laughs> So, guys, these are the quickie questions that I ask every guest at the end of the podcast. So, number one is, what's your go-to self-care? ritual or tip after you've had a long stressful day at work
1: um so I do two things for me um going to the gym is like very much my headspace so I really try and like plan it out and make sure that I actually go and it doesn't need to be the most difficult gym session in the world but just taking that time and um, to really like focus on myself and it's the only time really that I've managed to switch off from my phone and kind of be out of it so that's definitely a big one and then I've recently discovered headspace, and um, so I've started doing that just for 15 minutes before I go to bed and then kind of playing some relaxing music, having some candles and just kind of taking probably max half an hour, but just some time to like actually try and unwind um, to help me get to sleep. and I think that is that's become really important now for me. It's like a ritual that I have to stick to. I'd
2: say I'd say that mine is spending time with my daughter because ultimately there's nothing that's ever going to be any more important so that kind of immediately de-stresses me um and a gin and tonic yes,
0: <laughs> yes. preferably gin and tonic and meditation
1: is like my and a, pot, yeah. and a hot <laughs> yeah. hot
2: bath gin and tonic and candles yeah
1: <laughs> that combination is perfect yeah <laughs> amazing
0: and I'm a total headspace advocate as well I feel like it's the best 10 pound a month I spend
1: I just love it It actually took me a really long time to get into it I'm not gonna lie like I don't think it comes easily to everyone and I think uh, everyone raved about it and I was like literally what is this like why am I listening to this man tell me how to breathe (laughs) (laughs) I think you just got to stick at it because I do think I'm I still wouldn't say that I'm like totally I'm a, a meditator but I, I'm starting to get it and I think it's like starting to benefit me so
0: what's challenging you both to leave your comfort zone recently and this could be personal or professional I
2: think I feel constantly challenged to leave my comfort zone at the moment I'll be totally on it and I think that's I think it, that, it's just the first 12 months of business I just don't I don't think that anybody Uh, nothing's comfortable about it I mean it's it's like you are having to find comfort in really small things (laughs) but everything's encouraging me to leave my comfort zone you know just being completely self-reliant um you know not necessarily having a a routine as such um yeah there's the, the first 12 months of business I guess that's that's kind of my challenge
1: I think you um have to step up and have a lot of difficult conversations that are very much you personally. So obviously when you're employed, yes, you might have to have difficult conversations as part of your day to day business, but it's not your name against it the whole time. Like you normally have a fullback in that you can kind of you have this corporate world behind you and that's sort of what is actually driving those decisions. So I think for me, stepping out of my comfort zone quite a lot has been Facing the very difficult conversations, and you know, really kind of grown up, I guess, things that you have to um do as a business owner, but actually having it be attached to you directly, so that you mm-hmm. literally—it's literally all you. Like, there's no one to fall back on, and there's no kind of you're going out every day facing something where you can't shift blame and you can't kind of put it onto anyone because it's—it's all about you. It's all about you, and it's your decisions. Just kind of backing yourself and your own decisions, whereas. I was always used to backing the decisions of a business. Now it's like I'm backing myself in those conversations, which I think is is very out of your comfort zone thing to do.
2: Yeah, and I and I, yeah, I'm entirely in agreement there. And I think it's the good cop, bad cop situations that, yeah, it's it's definitely having those difficult conversations.
0: That's so true, and not something that a lot of people talk about. Like, yeah. I, I feel like every sort of like passion focused business like yours like mine like you start this because you care but Mm. then along the way there are difficult conversations and there are times where you have to think business and think I'm not like this isn't uh, this isn't right for us or this person isn't right I'm gonna have to say no to this client or fire in a client like that is a real thing that happens and it's just Mm -hmm. and it's a really
1: it's a really personal um industry as well like all of sort of my connections in this industry are built on real relationships it's not you know someone that you've met randomly on instagram and have never really met in person so it's it's having difficult conversations when you're you're used to sort of having friendships around everything it's really finding that transition where as you say sometimes you do just have to put the business first but actually there's a lot more to it than that and it's not just a stranger that you're having a business transaction with it's like a very small world and a personal industry based on real relationships
0: yeah and navigating that in a way that's true like it's true for you but yeah. is also being conscious of how you come across and there's like so many different elements to it isn't there definitely it's the gr- the art of the graceful no isn't it yes. exactly that. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
2: yeah um
0: next question is what are your goals for 2019
2: uh celebrating the first 12 months of well-defined um at the end of may uh and kind of you know really enjoying the fact that we will have been in business for 12 months um and just continuing to 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 support other businesses really I, I, I don't think that in the first 12 months of business you can have true strategic goals other than to stay in business Mm. um so that is my goal professionally
1: I think for me um putting everything that I've learned in this time into practice because I've sort of been so so busy and so invested in it and not really taken any time to step back and kind of really look at it all and and re-strategize so I think I've I feel like I have learned so much in the past year. It's like absolutely unbelievable, and now I really want to take those learnings and and change the way that I do business for the better as a result of it. Um, so that's a really big professional goal for two thousand nineteen. Definitely is to just refresh, re-strategize, take that time to look at what what what's happened and assess, and really kind of make sure that I'm driving. Um, that knowledge and experience through in everything that we do in business.
0: Fantastic! And are there any resources that you guys love? It could be a podcast, a book, or anything you really
1: lean on for support in your business. Chelsea's much bigger on podcasts and books and stuff than I am. I think she'll <laughs> answer.
2: I I I just love anything to do with business. I am such a business nerd. Like like you can't I. I any book that's at the moment i'm reading mary porter's um shop girl because she i i just absolutely love her um but yeah anything to do with um with business or just understanding it sounds a bit geeky but sales psychology Mm. and uh, that kind of thing is that's kind of my my thing
1: I just love reading other people's stories and like whether it's through like Entrepreneur Magazine or something that you just find on social media. I think that reading other people's stories about starting their business, how they got their business. I mean, I always say to everyone, I always, the first question that I always want to ask everyone when I meet them is, How do you make your money? Because it just yeah. me. But it's not really socially acceptable to do that. So I have to find it through other ways, but I just find that I take a lot of comfort and it definitely helps me to refocus and re-strategize by hearing about other people's experiences, how they've grown their business, what they've done, um, like reading up on entrepreneurs who have had huge success and kind of really understanding what their process was. Um, I think that you can find it from all areas, but just hearing other people's stories and sharing stories is definitely a good way to keep yourself sane (laughs) and keep yourself focused
0: yeah I'm exactly the same I love the I love the practical as well I think some people's stories can be quite sugar-coated but what I love about podcasts for one is people really deep dive into the nitty-gritty don't they and I'm exactly the same I love to know like I want to know the breakdown of your business I want to know what makes you the most money I want to know what your priority (laughs) is I want to (laughs) know
1: But I think that we should share that stuff more like there's so much again it comes from the corporate world like where the worst crime you could possibly commit is discussing your salary with someone else but actually like that's the stuff that drives business day to day like we do all want to know that and I think that sharing openly you know what elements of your business work what don't work you know what kind of there shouldn't be this fear around that. That, you know, if you if you open up too much, someone could just take it all and run and you could be left kind of it it shouldn't be like that, because I think we can really support each other as business owners by starting to share a bit more and kind of really having everyone understand more um, about those areas. So I would love to see that stigma removed (laughs) about, you know, what we talk about and what we don't talk about in business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think podcasts are definitely starting to do that.
0: Yeah, I yeah, agree. Agree, Ch- Ch- Chelsea. Ch- I know people are going to ask, um, what are your top business podcasts that you like to listen to? Um,
1: yours. <laughs> yeah,
2: you. I, I, mean, yeah I, I do actually. I do actually listen to yours quite a lot. I don't actually listen to business podcasts as such, though. Um, I'm very much more about actually asking the questions directly. <laughs> So when I have a meeting, I I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I suppose because coming from a commercial and financial background, it doesn't scare me to ask about money. Hmm. So I, I will ask the questions. Um, I mean someone that I really admire within the industry is Lauren Arms, the the founder of Well To Do. Um and and we very often kind of get have business conversations and but I wouldn't I, I don't necessarily listen to business podcasts. Like that. When I listen to podcasts it's usually when I'm working. So I, I mean I love listening to your podcasts. I love hearing about people's stories, but I would much rather sit down and, and ask someone those questions and see it in their eyes. <laughs> which I know sounds really um yeah I I just don't have that concern about asking those direct questions and I think when you consult for brands you can't have that concern
0: yeah that's amazing and I'm forgetting that you have access to like some of the most amazing women in the wellness industry anyway so you can just ask them directly I will say start a podcast if you want to ask successful women questions (laughs) yeah perfect excuse
2: I, I i mean yeah i yeah it's a bit that's a it's a good question i i, I mean if anybody has any recommendations on business podcasts then definitely let me know because i will 100 percent listen to them but i i for business i'm very much more about i do, you know i'll just ask and i know rachel will sometimes sit there and be like i can't believe she just asked that
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it before you guys share everything that you're up to um, do you have any final words of wisdom or any just encouragement for women listening who are ready to take that leap?
2: Just do it. Just just do it. If you've if you if you're thinking about it, if you keep thinking about it, um, just do it. Just just be ballsy. Um, like I said, this industry's so supportive, and it and it truly is. That's not. It's not that everybody just. T- you know, harps on about that, it truly is supportive, um, speak to people, if you need advice on anything, there's so many people out there that are happy to share advice or support, um, and just do it, just just do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, just back yourself, like, all the way, like, from the minute you kind of are starting to think about that decision, because to actually take the plunge, you have to really back yourself in knowing that, your offering is bigger than whatever that corporate world position that you have is and that you have a lot more to offer. Um, And then throughout the process, you have to back yourself by, you know, making sure that you're valuing your worth high enough and making sure that you're having confidence in having all those conversations that you have to have to get set up and to sort of get moving and start making money from your own skills. Um, But just keep that confidence and it's, it's hard to do, but it's so rewarding if you can continue to back yourself and know that, you know, you, you are the one delivering this, like you're driving it. Um, and that feeling, that kind of rewarding feeling at the end of that, when you're making money literally from yourself and for yourself, um, is so, so great. So I just think just back yourself, be confident, be bold, be brave. Um, and yeah, just make, just, just go for it. <laughs>
2: And, and stick to, stick to your values. Know what your values are, know what your price is, and then add tax.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing advice. Thank you, guys, so much. Would you like to share where people can go online to find you, follow you, and just share a bit more about what you're up to at the moment as well?
2: Yeah. So people can follow us at Well Defined on Instagram and that we we're on there every day so you can see everything that we're up to on there um we've got an amazing event coming up this saturday in london um called the future of food with dr hazel wallace the food medic um and then we're also working with the amazing abby and laura on their launch of beyond body confidence who were on your podcast um So, yeah, so loads of exciting things coming up. So you can keep up to date on our Instagram.
0: Amazing. Thank you guys so much.
2: Thank
1: you. Thanks for having
0: us. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing your story. I just, I love everything that you're doing. I really just love that there's passion, you know, heart-led businesses out there run by awesome women. (laughs) 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 Guys, let us know what you think. Um, reach out to us on instagram tag us in your posts and your stories if you're listening and yeah see you soon thank you so much for listening to put yourself first if you enjoyed it or you have any feedback i would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this and if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi i'm at cat underscore horrocks on twitter and instagram And if you're feeling extra kind, share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too.